pleased today to talk about vision, vision for Valleybrook, something that means a great deal to me because uh, Valleybrook means a great deal. It just, uh, I just feel really connected to you all as a church family, um, in relationships and small group and ministry teams, and it's been a great experience. So um, thinking about where God is directing us is, is a very important thing to me. So I'm uh, very, very encouraged to be able to speak to you today about vision, particularly that uh, Valleybrook be bodybuilders and a blameless bride. Please tell Brian that I worked as many bees into this as I possibly could here. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, being bodybuilders and a blameless bride. Now, that's not two visions. That's one. That that's a look at the vision from two different perspectives. Uh, first, our current activity, building up the body of Christ. Now, uh, during uh, the previous sermons, we've talked a lot about uh, spiritual gifts, about using our gifts to build up the body. Looked at the body, body life. Uh, Pastor Brian has taught us a lot about how the body functions together, what it takes to build up the body. We looked at uh, issues of conscience and how we support each other there. And uh, recently, how love is critical to building up the body, building, speaking the truth in love, building each other up. So th this vision is, is, we'll look at it from two different perspectives. Now, a vision is foundational. It's really what drives us. Uh, you have a vision right now. Your life is going somewhere, and it's influenced by your core beliefs. Uh, and uh, sometimes we don't take stock, we don't uh, take time to think and clarify that, but, but you have one. And the Lord has vision for his people. And so today I, I want you to begin the process. Now, some of you have thought a lot about this, and, and some not as much, and, and that's fine. I want you to take the next step in pursuing God on the question of vision, where are we going? And uh, this is established in us most powerfully when we see it in the Word of God. I I'm glad you're here to listen to me here. <laughs> but, but this will get anchored in your life when God speaks to you about this issue from His Word directly. So one of the suggestions I'll be making uh, for you in a minute here is, is to take an outline that's, that's in your uh, worship folder today and will be on the screen, and, and read through some of the scriptures that we've already covered during this series about gifts and body life, and ask God to clarify for you personally direction. We need direction. We need to be headed toward a direction. Now, generally, a vision is an overarching goal. It's the big picture. And it serves to focus our, our energy on productive activity. We all have many responsibilities. There's lots of things that we have to attend to. But God has a direction and a vision for us. And a clear vision directs us to a direction. Now, you would probably never drive your car if the windshield was obscured. I mean, that would be ridiculous. So you would, you would remove whatever's on the windshield to allow you to see what's going on. And, and vision requires clarity. It requires the ability to see. Vision must be biblical. It must have a foundation in the Word of God. You need to see it in the Scriptures. Uh, you need to see it big and keep it simple. S-I-B-B. 
K-I-S, Sibkiss. See it big and keep it simple. So it gets anchored. It's clear. It comes right to mind when you make decisions, when you head in a direction. Nowadays, we'd have to say it's tattooable. You know, a good vision should be able to be marked on your body in some fashion that, that would really stick, that would really be clear. So um, I haven't tried tattooing uh, bodybuilders and blameless bride on my body yet, but uh, maybe, maybe I should here. Now, what, what, if, what if we don't do this? Um, if you fail to aim, you aim to fail. If you shoot at nothing, you'll hit it every time. There's, a, there's a, an entropy, that there's a natural result of not aiming, you don't hit anything. And your life kind of goes on. You maintain a, a habit, but you never reach anywhere. So we, we need to aim. Now, as an example, I'll use my work at, at probation. Uh, community safety is the vision. That's the main deal with probation. We exist. All this activity is focused on community safety. Supervising people placed on probation, holding them accountable. You know, it's all supposed to result in community safety. How we get there is, A, we hold clients accountable to the court directly, to the community and, and to victims through restitution and community service. We work on behavior change. If offenders don't change, they pass through probation and then they just do it again and they're back again. You know, it's a revolving door. That's not the vision of, of the criminal justice system. So A, accountability, plus B, behavior change, equals C, community safety. So in my work, community safety is the vision. That's where we're going. And we're going to get there through holding offenders accountable and moving them in the direction of behavior change. Now, a couple weeks ago, in our call to worship on August 17th, Pastor Todd selected a passage from Psalms, and he said it's important to remind yourself periodically about what is important. Tell yourself what is important. And the phrase in the psalm is, uh, Praise the Lord, O my soul. You speak to your soul, and you remind yourself, uh, have a conversation with yourself, about what's really important. And, and vision kind of works that way. Uh, you get a hold of God's vision for your life. It crystallizes. You get a hold of it. And then you have a conversation with yourself. As your life goes by, remember, this is what I'm about. Uh, oh, my soul. Hello, soul. <laughs> this is what I'm up to today. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Tell yourself what's important. Now, Abram is an excellent example of vision. His name at this point was Abram. And he had left Ur, his apparently ancestral home, with his, his family, and he moved uh, in a direction. <clears throat> he didn't reach the promised land. Um, and in that process, having left Ur and uh, moved to a different home base, God called him and gave him vision. And in D Genesis 12, it says, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, 
and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever you curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's a lot of blessing there. Um, but, but think about how God directed the life of Abram. Uh, many things are involved here, but, but uh, I'll emphasize today that he, God, sent Abram to a location, a land. Go to the land I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. Now, if you know the story of Abram, he had zero children. <laughs> so that, that, that was a challenge. That, that was a problem. God said, I will make you, childless Abram, a great nation. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Future blessing for all peoples. And uh, if you're familiar with the story of Abram, his name is changed to Abraham, father of a nation. And that controls, that directs his entire life. And Abram lives through, Abraham lives through a lot of episodes. <laughs> he is forced to wander. He never really gets anchored in the promised land. He reaches there, but he wanders. He encounters famine. There's plenty of family drama in the life of Abraham. Uh, warfare. He has to rescue Lot and go to war with uh, the, the kings and the provinces in, in Palestine. He faces childlessness. He has visitations by angels. Uh, when he finally gets the son, he's told to go sacrifice him. Abraham went through a lot, but this vision from God kept him on track. And if you know the story, God repeated the vision. Uh, it wasn't just one statement. Uh, later, God takes him out and he says, Look at the heavens. Can you count the stars? So shall your offspring be. You'll have as many offspring as the stars in the sky. God kept reinforcing that. Didn't let Abram forget, Abraham forget what he was about. Now this chart um, is uh, selected scriptures from some of our previous messages about uh, gifts and body life. And, and it's here, it's in your bulletin. And my hope is that as you think about this, you'll allow God to speak with you uh, on this question through his word. What, what really gets anchored in your life is what God personally says to you in his word. That's the stuff that really sticks. And uh, I'm glad you're here listening. <laughs> That's great today. But I hope that at some point you'll sit with the Lord and ask him, where do you want me to go? And see if being a bodybuilder and a blameless slide, a bride uh, comes, comes to the surface here. Ask God, where am I going? Now, vision, being a bodybuilder and a blameless bride. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. It was he, God, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, 
tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful schemings. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will all in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. God, when he speaks about the body, talks about growth, about being built up. And he's just mentioned how he's equipped the body to accomplish that. We, in the previous slide, we looked at uh, the gifts that, that some should be. And we are equipped, each of us is equipped, to make a contribution to the building up of the body. And the result is that it grows. There is change. There is growth. Each of us has like a sub-target uh, under the broader idea of vision of our direction. Uh, each of you has a role to play as a bodybuilder. There is a contribution that you can make. Each part does its work. Taken together, we build up the body. All of us can speak the truth in love. And that, through the Holy Spirit, builds itself up in love. In love. There's a context in which bodybuilding takes place, and it's love. And Pastor Brian was very clear about that uh, in the last message. And it doesn't matter if your contribution is different or more visible or less visible than somebody else's. Absolutely everybody's contribution is important. Now, it's kind of natural for us to kind of rank and compare and say one contribution is, is more important than another. But that's not a God's plan, and it's certainly not in the Scriptures. In Romans, it says, So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. You belong. You're here by God's placement to be a bodybuilder, contribute, in the context of love, and see the body grow. Now, here's a very interesting statement that Jesus makes about, uh, in this case, giving, but about the relative value of what we do in the body. Um, here Jesus is seated near the temple area with his disciples. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watch the crowd putting in their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Imagine the picture. This is a crowded place. People from all over the nation have come to, to make treasury. It's very public giving. You, apparently you could watch and actually see what people put into the treasury. And uh, Jesus points out that, that a widow putting in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of the penny, put in more than all the others. And that, that teaches me that our contribution, 
whether from a human point of view looks big or small, is really critically important. In building the body, small is big. In building the body, little is great. So what God calls you to do is really important, and it doesn't matter how public it is, how other people rank it or value it. Your contribution is critical. We all contribute. And if we do it in love, our body is built up. We are bodybuilders. A couple of weeks ago, uh, my, my mother-in-law, Jane, made her way in here. And he, she doesn't move too fast. And she got on her little walker thing. And she stops where Dave Zarn is sitting. And he, she shakes his hand. And Dave smiles. And then Jane continues and sits down. Big deal? Yes, that is a big deal. That's a big deal. Jane took the advantage, the opportunity to, to make a connection, to offer a handshake, and Dave responded with a smile. I bet you had made the, uh, the blog in heaven. I bet God noticed that. You know, it's big stuff, folks. It's big stuff. So I'm hoping that, that the vision that God gives us puts what we do into a critical context. If it's a handshake to get a smile, that's great stuff. It's great stuff. So uh, I hope that you're on alert to, to do what you can to build the body. If it's a handshake to get a smile, praise God. That's a great deal. It's a great deal. Now, as uh, this vision, bodybuilders, is our ongoing current activity. But uh, the, bra- the blameless bride, if I can say it right, is the future end goal. And uh, after the, the message, we're going to sing a, a hymn. And notice what the hymn says about the bride, Jesus coming for his bride. Uh, from Ephesians, uh, Paul writes, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And I selected the blameless word because it starts with B and because it, um, um, as a summary, as a hook for your memory here, that the bride that Jesus is working on right now that we are contributing to is blameless. It's perfect. Now, it begs the question, who's in the bride? You know, which people make up the bride of Christ? We know that, that Christ was offered as a sacrifice to pay for the sins of the world. And that highlights that our need for Christ. And we talked about that earlier in our service today that our sin has separated us from God. We have disqualified ourselves from belonging to the bride of Christ. We are out because of our sin. And we can't get back in. We're stuck. Because sin brings us into judgment. In judgment, if we stand with sin in our lives, God will judge us. And the penalty for sin is death, eternal spiritual separation from God in hell. It's Bad news, sin is destructive. 
and it keeps us out of heaven, and it keeps us from being part of the bride of Christ. You cannot be part if there's sin in your life. And that's why Christ had to come. There had to be a payment for sin. There had to be cleansing for us because we cannot pay the penalty for our own sin. If you pay the penalty, you'll go to hell. But Christ, our sins were placed on him. When he died on the cross, your sins were forgiven. And that's offered to you as a free gift. And we receive that free gift by faith. When you place, when you confess your sins, when you place your faith in Christ, God forgives you. He gives you his son as the payment for your sin. Christ dwells in your life. And you are qualified to be a part of the bride of Christ. God was not done with you, just saving you. He is building you, joining you together with other believers into his bride. That was just day one. <laughs> and I hope that you have great anticipation for what God is going to do for you. He started with salvation and cleansing and justification. But God is not done. He has gifted us to, for us to use gifts to build each other up, resulting in that we would be a blameless bride. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing through water, with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Our, our destiny, our direction is to be the blameless bride of Christ. Now, here's a look at this from Revelation. And again, our, our vision is, first part is just current activity, and the last part, the blameless bride, is, is the end result. And, and here's a look at it from, from, from the end here. Revelation 19. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. Notice here that the bride is clothed with the righteous acts of the saints. That's her current activity that God is using and combining to result in this perfect bride for Christ in heaven. And they're happy about it. Do you, do you, do you see the feeling here, the, the emotion? This is the best deal. People are excited. They're screaming praise to God. The wedding of the Lamb has come. Most people get pretty excited about it. You get a wedding invitation, let's go. <laughs> it's, a, it's the best party there is. <laughs> you know, it's happiness and people are greeting each other and there's the ceremony and the party, you know. Uh, weddings are happy business. Another look at this, Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, 
prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from heaven, from the throne, saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. What a scene. All of us joined together as a bride. Now here is another analogy, like a city coming down out of heaven, ready, beautifully dressed for Christ, her husband. Now the dwelling place of God is with men. Think of the intimacy. God is your resident. You know, he's, he's in your home. He's with you. This is great stuff. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. The bride has made herself ready. Now, when people are uh, married on earth, you know, you set up a year to get ready, and you get a wedding planner, and there's announcements you've got to order, and deadlines, and reservations, and rehearsals, and you've got to go on your wedding, perfect wedding diet, and become beautiful, and you've got to go to the dress store, and oh, I mean, it's a lot of work. <laughs> um, brides seem to do most of it, I think. Um, but think of the focus in the preparation. Uh, some people hire wedding planners because there's so many details that you don't want to mess up, you know. And, um, it's a big project getting married, preparing, and it's all focused on that presentation. Uh, in this passage, it talks about that moment when the bride, the, the city, comes down and there's this moment of presentation. And that's kind of a climax in a wedding ceremony. All this preparation's been going on for months and months and months. And uh, people, the church is full and the organ is playing. And then there's the processional. And generally, when the first chord of the professional, the processional is hit, everybody stands and they face the back and there is the bride. <laughs> Here comes the bride. And it's this moment of presentation and it's this climax, all this effort and arrangement and beautification and preparation. It, it's the moment of presentation. Friends, we will be presented to Jesus in heaven. It's, there's, there's, there's a, you will be part of the presentation moment. And that in this wedding to Jesus in heaven. I hope that you think about that. I hope that you prepare for it. You are being prepared as the bride of Christ and there will be a moment of presentation. It counts what you do here because you are in preparation. We as a body, and mysteriously, the love that we show for each other, our devotion, our use of gifts, builds itself up in love and prepares us. And it's all focused on that wonderful moment of presentation. Incredible, incredible. Your life counts. You have destiny. We are people of destiny. We are heading for a lot, but there's a wonderful moment, a happy moment of presentation. I hope that you've accepted Christ and that you will be part of that. Normally in the, the mind of a of a engaged one, a bride, they're thinking about that just like all that time, you know, and they want the perfect day. <laughs> my uh, 
my daughter-in-law had this all laid out, and her list of details was really long. <laughs> and there were some glitches. <laughs> and on the wedding day, remember this, Debbie? She raced around to try to make some final corrections. <laughs> and she just about wore herself out. She'd made it through the ceremony, but <laughs> she was so tired. Looking for the perfect moment. God has taken that responsibility for us. He's the one that's preparing us. We contribute by use of gifts and our acts of love. But God is making a perfect day for us. More perfect than any possible wedding day on, on earth. So I'm hoping that you can see that this, this issue of vision, of being bodybuilders and a blameless bride, becomes a filter. It, it's a way to, for us to interpret what we do day to day. Are we contributing to us becoming a blameless bride? Are we using our gifts? Are we contributing acts of love? Are we, or are we tearing down the body? We're, I think we're either building up or tearing down. I don't think there's any neutral ground here. What you do either contributes or detracts from allowing God to build us into the perfect blameless bride of Christ. And everything counts. So, to achieve this end goal of being a blameless bride, we must now be bodybuilders. Now, it's very interesting. Paul, writing in Romans, he's very aware of the history of Abraham. And he looks back and he, he uses Abraham uh, very strategically in Romans 4. And he, he looks at Abraham's life. Now, Abraham lived about 2,000 years before Paul did. So Paul has the, uh, has the perspective of, of the development, of the establishment of the nation of Israel and all the generations. So he, he has that perspective. And he writes, Abraham, he is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He is the father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. And that quotation, so shall your offspring be, is the moment when God takes him outside, tells him to look at the stars. He says, can you count them? No. This is what your offspring are going to be like. Now, I, I mention this here only for the purpose to say that God did it. God was faithful. Think of all the unfaithfulness of Abraham and all kinds of other people. But if you are in the destiny, if you're fulfilling the purpose, if you're going the direction of God, it's going to happen. And the question is, are we contributing? Have we placed our faith in Christ so we were participants? Or are we on the outside? This is going to happen. It is just as certain as the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. Paul writes about it and he says, yes, it happened. It's going to happen. So uh, take encouragement here that what God sets out to do, he will do. It's going to happen. So let's uh, summarize here a little bit. Vision can be a filter to, to focus and 
understand and interpret everything that we do. And vision, to be cemented in your life, really needs to be God speaking to you. And I think that happens most powerfully through his word, individually. So I hope that at some point, uh, either the scriptures I've uh, suggested in the bulletin or in your own time with the Lord, you can begin to seek him and say, God, where are you directing me? What, what is the vision that should make sense out of my life? Where am I going? Speak to your soul. <clears throat> begin to interpret what you do. Am I contributing to the building up of the body of Christ or am I tearing it down? I don't think there's really any middle ground. Beware of passivity. This, this kind of religiosity that says, well, I do this and do that, and we kind of drift along, you know, and time passes, and there's no focus, there's no intimacy. We're just kind of being religious, you know. There's a lot of comfortable places to be religious, but that's not what this is about. This is active, intimate involvement with Jesus Christ. So beware of passivity. Begin to adjust your thinking about every thought, word, and deed, the potential, a handshake, a smile. That might be great stuff. It might be just exactly what somebody needs. Anticipation. I think real believers should be, have wild anticipation about the day of presentation, the day that you will be joined with every other believer and presented to Jesus in a wedding ceremony in heaven. I think that should be a great encouragement, a real anticipation. Now, most people make a big deal about uh, British uh, weddings of British royalty. You know, you could see the uh, grocery store tabloids. <laughs> you know, there's all these things about some royal person that's going to get married and they're going to have a carriage. And, you know, it, it's this huge deal. It's on television and people write books about it. That's nothing. That is nothing compared to the wedding of Jesus in his church. Nothing. Boring. A British wedding, will be, a royalty will be boring compared to the wedding of Jesus and his, and his bride. It's going to be great stuff. Anticipation. I think there should be uh, joyful anticipation. They yell hallelujah. That's what they do in heaven. We learned that in Revelation. So, I hope that I've at least kind of pushed you in the direction of thinking, what is the vision for myself and for Valley Brook? What could we be? Bodybuilders heading to become a blameless bride. Uh, I invite you to interact more about this uh, during connection time. Um, I will admit that vision just doesn't develop instantly. I, th I think that there's a process here of, of seeing in the scriptures, uh, discussing it as a body, um, getting a hold of this. I don't think that vision is kind of an instant thing. God repeated the vision to Abraham over and over again. And Abraham himself got off track. You know, we need to get into it. We need to be established in it. But we need reminders too uh, to see God establish us as bodybuilders and a blameless bride. I'll ask the, the worship team to come up to conclude. Thank you for your attention.